Stephen Simcox from the uh, podcast Locked on Horn Frogs. Stephen, good morning. How are you, buddy? I'm doing well, guys. Thanks as always for having me on the show. I'm enjoying that uh, conversation on networks and streaming. Last segment, a lot of good stuff there. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Always good to talk to you all. So what are your thoughts? Do you see the Big 12 of the network? Do you see us going straight streaming? Is it pay-per-view? Where are we in five years, 10 years, 15 years from your from your seat? Oh, man, Tom, if I knew that, I'd probably uh, be working uh, somewhere else and be a lot richer than I am right now. But, I mean, <laughs> my, my best guess is I, I think Garrett is right um, in the fact that streaming is the way the world's going. But the interesting thing to me is, you know, originally the benefit of, like, streaming services was that, okay, if you want to cut the cord and get rid of cable – uh, obviously, there's some things you're going to miss without live television, but you're going to be able to save a lot of money by just picking and choosing what you want to watch. But now there's so many different services, and everybody kind of has their own platform. Um, that, man, like that, that stuff really adds up. Like I know Bally Sports is trying to launch like a Bally Sports Plus similar to ESPN. I saw the other day, at least initially, they're thinking about asking $20 a month, and I mean. Like, I love the Rangers. I love the Mavericks. I want to watch those teams all the time. But, golly, that's a lot of money for the content they're putting out. I think – I actually feel like the Big 12 and their deal with the ESPN Plus is intriguing and it works out pretty well. Now, I say that as somebody who just enjoys watching a lot of college baseball and softball, and that's been a good byproduct of what they've done. Um, I feel like they probably end up going with some sort of streaming service that – you know, hey, you pay this amount of money per month and you get all the third-tier right games that used to go to Fox and now goes to ESPN, um, and schools kind of handle it in-house. But, yeah, I mean, Ward brings up a good point. If you're going to do those networks, you have to have the big dogs. And you look at, like, the Longhorn Network, it never really worked. Like, I think all these specific networks, I don't know with the SEC and the ACC how they've done. They have their network that's part of the ESPN family. Um, obviously, I'm not the target audience for that, but – it just seems like unless you want to watch, you know, some of those ancillary sports um, on those services, there's not a huge demand unless they're going to start putting football on those those channels. And that's kind of the big question to me. I know the SEC Network has some games, you know, that get thrown on there, some 11 a.m. kicks. But unless you're going to start putting big football games on those uh, conference networks, I don't really know what the demand is, you know, outside of people who just really love Big 12 baseball and softball and, and the occasional basketball game here and there. Yeah, in, in final thought, we'll move on. But, you know, with the league as big as it is in the SEC, they, they are able to get at least a couple of live play-by-plays uh, on, on football as well as their, their over-the-air stuff with, with ESPN and, and ABC. But anyway, uh, talk. let's talk some baseball. TCU now in first place in the Big 12 Conference. Uh, sitting there at 16 and eight in the league, 32 and 18 overall. This has been a crazy, crazy season for Big 12 baseball. Uh, I want to get your thoughts on where the frogs are right now, and talk to us a little bit about the cancellation with Tarleton. What was that about? Well, so uh, the cancellation is all about RPI, and this is something that Jim Sloshnagel did through the years. Uh, he actually did it at Texas A&M this year. I think they canceled the game with Incarnate Word. But um, essentially, like, I guess it's a risk-reward thing. If you somehow lose to Tarleton, then your RPI is going to drop pretty significantly. Even if you win, there's not much movement. And we're seeing this in college baseball. 
I wouldn't say it's like an epidemic or anything, but we've seen a number of midweek games midweek games canceled. Um, and I don't really know what the solution is. I, I've heard people like Kendall Rogers, who is kind of the authority on college baseball, covers for D1. He thinks the NCAA needs to step in and come up with some sort of solution. I mean, my thought on it is there's so many non-conference games throughout the season in baseball. It's not a huge deal to me if, you know, one at the end of the year gets canceled. Now, is it a bad look? Yeah. I mean, it's not It's not the best look in the world. When there's no there's no impending weather, I mean, classes are over. There's no reason why you cancel that game except for the fact of, hey, we don't want to lose and, you know, hurt our chance at hosting or hurt a chance of getting a good seed. Um, so I'm not sure what the ultimate solution is. I, I guess coaches could not schedule games this late in the year. But, I mean, you look at a team like Baylor, um, they're trying. I mean, I don't think – that win over SFA really helped their resume a lot last night, but they're trying to stack up as many wins as they can to give themselves a chance uh, at the end of the year, give themselves some some momentum going into the Big 12 tournament at the very least. So you never know really where your team is going to be at that point in the season. But, um, yeah, it's just uh, an RPI cancellation. And as far as where they're at, I mean, they're a pretty good place. Like they swept Kansas. Um, Man, that KU pitching staff really struggled. I know they have all year, but – uh, TCU put 30 runs up on them on Saturday, which was insane. And so now they just sit and wait. You know, Texas Tech swept OSU, which was really surprising to me, even as good as Tech has been this year. Um, so they're hoping that Oklahoma can steal a game from Texas Tech. They're hoping that Baylor can steal a game from Oklahoma State and that they'll at least get a share of the Big 12 title. But they're playing Santa Clara starting on Thursday, so I'll be a Thursday, Friday, Saturday series. And I imagine that Kurt Starloose and the guys will be Pretty uh, pretty focused. They might have their phones out looking at that scoreboard, checking those scores, seeing how everyone else is doing. But for the last weekend of the season, they're in a pretty good spot. I mean, they just get to play a non-conference series and kind of watch the chaos unfold um, between Texas Tech and Oklahoma State in their respective series. Stephen, what were a couple of the biggest questions answered in spring football for, some, for uh, Coach Dykes and that staff? Yeah, I think they uh, sort of solidified that defensive line a little bit. Um, you know, it looks like a guy like Dominic Williams, who's a freshman, is going to step in and be an impact player immediately. They also brought in a few transfers. They're trying to work in um, Dylan Horton, one of those defensive ends, had a good season. They, they got to find a way to replace the production of O'Shawn Mathis and Kyrie Coleman, who hit the portal in the offseason. I, I feel like offensively, um, you know, Gunnar Henderson was a player that emerged as one of those wide receivers that's going to be behind Quentin Johnston, uh, someone who could maybe make an impact on the slot. I feel like they have a lot of depth at their skill positions. Quarterback did not get answered, but I, I think the thing that's clear is that they're going to roll with somebody in the room. Um, so it's going to be either Chandler Morris or Max Duggan, but they didn't bring anyone else in. So uh, it's going to be someone in-house that does it. And I, I think those were the, the big questions. You know, there's a new energy. There's kind of a new intensity um, with a fresh face and Sonny Dykes and I feel like a lot of those questions ultimately obviously won't be answered until they hit the field in September against Colorado. But uh, I do see some clarity, and it seems like they're moving in, in the right direction at the moment. Well, I mean, it was a big day for Sonny Dykes yesterday. You land four-star Cordell Russell from North Mesquite, the wide receiver. I mean, I, I've watched him play a few times in camps and stuff. He's He can make any catch. He's, he's elite. What were your thoughts on being able to get that guy to come, uh, come on campus? Yeah, he looks like a grown man, Garrett. Like, he's 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 a specimen. I've seen him in some camps, too, and um, he's already got a, a really good frame. I think it's significant. You know, the biggest deal about Landon Cordell, he's 
committed to TCU uh, when the new staff came over, and then he decommitted and sort of opened up his recruitment again, and they're able to land him one more time. So, one, I guess that makes you think, well, is he going to decommit again? We'll see what happens. There's still a lot of time for signing day. But I think the good news is Cordell is one of those players that a lot of people thought, oh, well, he's just coming to TCU because Rashad Samples moved over to Fort Worth because Coach Samples was big and getting Russell, um, you know, getting guys like Chance Biddle, who's on campus right now. There were a few others from that uh, Dallas area that had committed to SMU and just sort of moved their commitment over to TCU when the staff changeover happened. But um, now, of course, Rashad's gone to the NFL in L.A., and Cordell Russell is still on board. Uh, so it's it's good for the perception of the program. I think it's also just good they've, they're finally starting to fill out this 2023 class. You know, Garrett, we talked a couple weeks ago about how, just how small it is, and it's still – small compared to a lot of uh, teams in the Big 12, but they're at least starting to rack up some commits, and it seems like some momentum is getting built. And uh, I know you know covering recruiting, a lot of times these commitments kind of happen in bunches, and you need players that are already on board to sort of recruit the guys that are making decisions. So hopefully Cordell Russell can be uh, beneficial in that regard too. But, yeah, he's the headliner of this class now, and so they finally landed somebody who kind of – um, you know, you can point to and say this is somebody that a lot of teams wanted and, and TC was able to go get him. Stephen, we're bouncing you all over the place. Sorry about that. But we're going to take you back to baseball for just a second. Uh, the uh, Big 12 postseason tournament, the Phillips 66 Big 12 postseason tournament, it's been played in Arlington a couple of times. It's been played in, in Tulsa once. But for the most part, it, is, it has been in Oklahoma City for pretty much the the entirety of the Big 12 Conference. However, this year, it is back in Arlington. Uh, do you like the idea of moving the tournament around and, and letting different parts of the conference host that uh, that event? I mean, selfishly, I'm excited about it being in Arlington just because I'm going to go up there for a couple of days. It's going to be a fun atmosphere. I know playing that Big League Park will be a good experience for all of those guys. Uh, but, yeah, I'm okay with moving around. Oklahoma City was a great venue. It did a great job hosting that tournament for a long time. I think there's, uh, you know, a lot of special things about that ballpark, and there's so much history there. Uh, and, and we'll see. I, I mean, I would imagine, you know, Arlington's really convenient um, just from a, like, kind of lodging perspective. The facilities are going to be great. We'll see what kind of hospitality the Rangers have. But uh, I would be cool with, with bouncing it around. I think OKC – has been there for so long. They deserve to get another crack at it. But, man, it really feels like, you know, these, these college sports um, programs and venues, they, they really like the idea of playing in these these pro arenas. That That's the case. And, you know, I know Globe Life has kind of dipped their toe in the water in college baseball with that opening season tournament they do. And then they had a couple just random series this year um, between different teams. So it feels like they're trying to, be more welcoming to uh, to college baseball and in those teams as they open up the new ballpark. TCU track and field did real well at the Big 12 championships as Sprint Relay goes back-to-back for Big 12 titles. Top 25 for the first time in a while heading into Arkansas for the regions. The, this team has a chance to make some noise, and, and this uh, 4-by-100 team really has a big opportunity sitting in front of them. Yeah, it's an exciting time, Ward. Uh, you know, as you mentioned, this is not historically a group that lately has been in the top 25 a lot. And, 
it really is your CCU track and field. It's a program that's done well in some individual events, you know, especially some of the field events. They've had some long jumpers, some triple jumpers that have been to nationals and have made some noise, uh, but not so much in, in these team events and some of the sprint relays that, that you just laid out. So um, good for the program to get there. You know, I think it's, it's a big breakthrough in a way. And we'll see how they do stepping up in a level of competition. But, um, you know, it was nice to see them kind of step up there with the big dogs. Big 12 track is, is special. There's a lot of, obviously, you know, Baylor right there in Waco is always in the mix. And um, Texas another. So it's good to see TCU kind of get up there in that mix as well. And that's one of those spring sports that, it, you know, it's been a big transition from the Mountain West, obviously, to Power 5 athletics. And I think <clears> – <throat> not only from a football perspective, but more so some of the non-revenue sports, just trying to get the athletes in um, to, to compete. And we're finally starting to see that happen with track and field and, and with tennis and some other programs. Stephen, man, uh, what are you working on right now for the, uh, for the podcast? Um, plenty of football coverage, obviously, still. We're, we're in off-season mode. And then, you know, baseball, getting ready for the NCAA tournament, come off that sweep of Kansas. Um, non-conference series this weekend before postseason play starts. So plenty of that as well, and it's Locked on Orange Dogs wherever you get your podcast. Uh, thanks, guys, as always, for having me on. Talk to you soon. That is uh, Stephen Simcox from the uh, podcast Locked on Horn Frogs.